Hey everyone, welcome back to Where's God? So glad that you're listening. Hey, today on our podcast, we're taking another episode from Elevate Retake. Uh, it's part of the Young Adult Ministry of the Keene Church, a little thing called Elevate Community Fellowship. It's where I have the opportunity to pastor. And uh, a couple of months ago, Johnny and I had the opportunity to record a conversation about Sabbath what it means to Sabbath. And we've already uploaded uh, part one of that conversation. Uh, It happened in our worship service there. And then later on in the afternoon after that conversation, we had the chance to hop on Zoom with some other people and talk about uh, a little bit more in depth about what it means to Sabbath and how Sabbath influences our eschatology, the way we see the end of the world and all of that. So I'm excited to bring you this episode of Elevate Retake. Uh, Johnny and I are working behind the scenes right now on some really cool stuff uh, to come for uh, Where's God? And we can't wait to bring some of our guests in that we're planning on and to talk a little bit more about where's God in the midst of the world that we're living in right now. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode of Elevate Retake Overtime, Try Sabbath. Welcome to Elevate Overtime. I'm Michael teaching pastor for Elevate Community Fellowship. You know, we've been on a journey. We're about halfway through this season of Elevate Retake. It's called You Gotta Try This. And today our topic is Try Sabbath. I had the privilege of having a conversation with a good friend of mine, Johnny Wilzinski. He's a fellow pastor and just has a heart for God. And we got to talk about God's day, the Sabbath, and to invite you to try it. If you haven't listened to our first conversation about that and Elevate Retake, I invite you to go back and listen to that. It's called Try Sabbath. And today on Overtime, we are diving deeper into what it means to Sabbath. What does it look like from the Bible? What are the biblical mandates that are out there that are, are guiding us in, in how we should go? So I'm so glad that you're with us listening to Elevate Overtime. You are why we do this and we thank you for being here. So without further ado, Here's my conversation that I had with Johnny in Elevate Overtime. All right, everyone. Welcome to Overtime. Super excited to see everybody here. Johnny, welcome. I think my dad's joining us on Zoom. And uh, welcome to everybody else that's live with us on YouTube right now. So I am super excited because we get to follow up our conversation from earlier this morning called Mm -hmm. Try Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how have you been trying Sabbath today, Michael? Well, um, we operated a food bank today from the Keene Church, and we got to provide food for close to, um, it was 340 families, close to 1,200 wow. individuals. So that's how I tried Sabbath today, was to be able to provide some rest for um, some, some people in our community. Mm. So, that's awesome. Um, what about you, Johnny? Yeah, my my situation is different, but still, in my opinion, very, very valuable. It's my mom's birthday today. Shout out to my mom who's watching. (laughs) And uh, so we're actually, Stephanie and I are at uh, our parents' house. We've been distancing and, you know, being very careful, but we wanted to make sure to see her on her birthday. And I think that fits squarely in what we were talking about, about Sabbath today, how it's all about relationships and making sure people get to feel that rest. And sometimes it's on a smaller basis than a food bank. And sometimes it's on a, a bigger basis with outreach. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Happy birthday to your mom. 
Happy birthday, Mrs. Wilson Key, if you're watching. So we could try to sing, but that probably wouldn't uh, come across too well. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, hey, we've got some uh, questions that people submitted earlier today and some more stuff that we're going to talk about. So I want to start us off with a word of prayer. Let's do that. Father in heaven, we thank you so much uh, for today. Thank you for the chance that we have to come to you and to pray and to talk about Sabbath on the Sabbath. Um, the Sabbath is just such a, a wonderful topic that I don't think we talk about enough from the Bible. So we pray today, Lord, that you will be a part of this conversation, that you'll um, bless us in the midst of um, everything that's going on. And I pray that um, you, Lord, will uh, come close now and continue to impress upon our hearts um, what Sabbath truly means. So we leave all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So to recap from our discussion from this morning, we talked about ideas that um, Sabbath rhythms confess design and creation by a God who cares. Uh, we talked about how um, Sabbath allows for order and structure in a world of chaos. And we talked about, shuffling through my notes, Sabbath, a Sabbath lifestyle reminds us that we are not indestructible, that we need some rest mm. in the midst of it all. And there were some questions that uh, came in that we wanted to address along these lines. And the first one I want to talk about, Johnny, is, um, is there a certain way to Sabbath on the Sabbath? Or is it okay to keep Sabbath according to my own understanding? That is such a good question. And to be honest with you, that's the question that I, I have struggled with personally. Uh, my mm -hmm. entire life growing up Adventist, you know, mm -hmm. because, because you hear a mixed message, right? You mm -hmm. hear some people say, well, clearly the Bible says this, or clearly the Bible says that, therefore don't do this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the example I always think of, because it's kind of funny, is don't put your ankles in water. Um, you know, make <laughs> sure to not be, you know, you got to make sure, or wait, no, I've heard you can put your ankles, but nothing deeper, you know, right. something yeah. like that. Otherwise, it'd be seeking your own pleasure and things yeah. like that. And right. to me, I think that really takes away the whole purpose of the Sabbath. The yeah. Sabbath is a delight, as it says in Isaiah 58. Obviously, there's some other more things we can unpack in Isaiah 58 alongside that. Mm -hmm. But to me, if it is not a delight to you to sleep in, which I don't understand if that's, if that's but if that's for you, <laughs> if it's not a delight to sleep in, then don't sleep in. But if it's a delight for somebody else, maybe, maybe that's what Sabbath looks like to them. Is that breaking the Sabbath? Is that keeping it better? Um, honestly, it, it doesn't, I, I don't want to say that, you know, I don't want to like reject the question, but yeah. I, I would reframe it to, can I keep Sabbath in a way that glorifies God? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that looks and may feel a little selfish, like sleeping in, but honestly, you are doing someone else a favor by resting like God intended for you to on Sabbath. Once mm -hmm. Monday comes around, you're able to right. function higher because there's a rhythm of life. Right. So how you are in your life, Sabbath may look different, even, even within the same, within the same person, because mm -hmm. we well, like, we were talking about Michael, when we were in uh, Michigan seminary, yeah. our, our Sabbaths looked wildly different, wildly yeah. different. <laughs> we have many more responsibilities now, yes. but that doesn't make Sabbath less of Sabbath. It just right. changes how we interact with it. And I, know, I hope that answers the question and doesn't raise more questions, but <laughs> probably yes <yeah>. and no. <laughs> I want to, I want to unpack it a little bit further though. And I want to read Exodus chapter 20 uh, and the, the passage that talks about the Sabbath. And that um, is the, the kind of the, 
the jumping off place, the, the place that I go to often and that um, our, our denomination, the Seventh-day Adventist Church goes to. And I know there's a lot of churches within uh, our faith tradition that um, recite the, the, four, uh, the fifth commandment, fourth commandment um, on the, the Sabbath day. And this is what it says, uh, Exodus chapter 20, um, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's within them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And the first thing that jumps out to me that I want to talk a little bit more about is when in uh, verse nine, six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. Mm. And it's interesting to think about the concept that does God keep a Sabbath? What does that look like for God to keep a Sabbath? Because the, the Exodus account is very clear that it is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. And I think there's a connection there that the people of God who claim to be people of God they will be marked by the fact that they keep the Lord's Sabbath. Not the Sabbath of man, but that they keep the Lord's Sabbath. Mm. And I want to unpack that a little bit further to see what does it mean to keep the, like, what does it mean for the Sabbath to be the Lord's Sabbath? And what does it mean for me as a Christian? How do I Sabbath on the Sabbath? Is it completely up to me? Does God have some guidelines on how to set this up? I want to kick it back over to you, Johnny, take us um, further into this passage. And if you have anything else you want to bring up. That's beautiful. I'm glad you framed it that way, that God Sabbaths on Sabbath, because mm -hmm. that's kind of what we talked about earlier today with creation itself. God Sabbathed on the seventh day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we want to look at this practically, because, you know, imagining God resting on Sabbath seems kind of like this whimsical philosophical exercise. But yeah. God knew that we would be thinking this. So Jesus himself came and we have evidence with what Jesus did on Sabbath. And mm -hmm. it's very, very interesting to me because Jesus breaks a lot of the norms for how his people, how the Jewish people were keeping Sabbath. I think yeah. of the story of when they were walking through the grain field and Jesus was with his disciples and the Pharisees mm -hmm. were creeping on him, stalking him, trying to figure out, you know, <laughs> how can we get him? You know, he's going to break the Sabbath. I know it. So yeah. they're following him and they, they get some grain and they, you know, they do this little thing that you have to do to get the, the kernel outside of the husk. And mm -hmm. so they're eating it. And the Pharisees that are following him say, Hey, that's work. He broke the Sabbath. How dare you do this? The Sabbath is a holy day. You know, they say these things, but this is Jesus they're talking to. This is God yeah. himself who instituted yeah. this day that they are now saying he's breaking. And it seems to me that it's very important for us to try to live Sabbath a specific way. It's very important mm. to try to our best to keep it holy. However, when it comes to relationship versus tradition, it seems to me that Jesus chose relationship every time. And, you know, the story that correlates with this that I always think of is the story with David going into the temple as he was fleeing and he ate the showbread. And that, yeah. that bread was specifically for the priests. It was absolutely not something that is a normal circumstance for someone to run in and eat this bread. And yet God refers to that when explaining to the Pharisees what he's doing with the disciples. So it yeah. seems to me there's more going on here with the Sabbath than just a stringent checklist of rules for how we should keep it. And mm -hmm. I know I keep kind of making this a little more vague, 
but I think we have to have this, this dissonance within ourselves to allow yes. Sabbath to look different for you, Michael, than it does for me. And it doesn't mean either of us are necessarily keeping it better, but rather we are trying to understand it. There's, oh, it's, it's weird. I don't want to sound new agey, but there is a subjective <laughs> nature to Sabbath to yeah. allow it to fit your lifestyle, which is the most healing thing for you rather than trying to meet it so that you can be closer to God. Right. So in some ways, our, our maybe our culture or our background defines what's important to keep Sabbath um, and, and how we do that. It has bearing on it. Um, and that's one of the places that within theology and I think within the church that we get very, very, um, we start to dance around because it's hard yep. on, on some of these subjective things to, um, we want to seek absolute truth. We want to know from the Bible, this is the way that it's supposed to go. This is the way that it's supposed to be. And it's like, well, I don't think everything in the Bible is as black and white as we'd like it to be. Um, right. In fact, there's a lot more gray than there is white because if God can save a sinner like me, <laughs> that seems yep, pretty great. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. <laughs> Look, and, I know it, man. I know it. I, I feel like I'm only called to a past to be a pastor because God knows that I'm so stubborn and such an mm -hmm. idiot that I wouldn't mm -hmm. kneel down before him any other way. So I feel like he called me to be a pastor to save my life. And I, yeah. I love Sabbath so much because it reminds me, God loves me. And it's not just, oh, we need, to, we need to share this, but this is also something for us as individuals as well, which blows my mind, blows my yeah. mind. Sorry to cut you off. I, just, I, was just, <laughs> I was just vibing with what you were saying. No, you're good, you're good. And I wanted to read the, the reference that you were alluding to with the grain fields. It's found in uh, Mark chapter two. Um, verses 23 through 27. Uh, and the, you said it, so I'm not going to recap it, but the way Jesus responds is he says to them in verse 27 of Mark chapter 2, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And I think there's significance there because we realize that Sabbath is not something um, that, uh, how do I phrase this? There's not, it's not static. Is that what you're aiming yeah, for? Yeah, it's not static. And to the point that Sabbath was made for me. And so there's not something that I have to do to, 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 to claim the Sabbath status or to, um, to, to, to do something to make sure that it happens. God says, no, that's a gift from me to you. I made it for you. I created it for you. It's something that I want you to experience. And it's something that God is bringing to us and, and saying, here's, here's a gift. Because that's exactly what happened in Genesis chapter 2. God creates Adam and Eve. And he says, hey, you guys have just been created. Why don't we rest? Why don't we enjoy a, a relationship together? And I think Sabbath culminates as a marker of someone who's truly connected with God, of someone who's truly enjoying yeah. an experimental and experiential relationship with God, Sabbath is that marker. The Sabbath of yes. the Lord, because Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus made Sabbath for us. And he says, if you truly want to be my disciple, you need to keep the Sabbath. And that, I'm wrestling with that too, because you pick up that line and. uh, 
in Revelation and you think apocalyptically and you think eschatologically, how the Sabbath is the marker of a true Christian and how that plays out in the world that we're living in where, um, where morals have kind of just kind of flattened out and they're spread wide. Um, Johnny, what's your take? How do we navigate a world where, as you and I have talked, fully believe that the, the seventh day Saturday is Sabbath, there's significance to that date, but how do we as pastors and how do we as just as Christians relate to people who don't necessarily see that view and how do we understand eschatology in the midst of that and how the Sabbath is a marker of someone who is a person of God? Oh, that's you just gave me such, you know, such an easy question, Michael. I appreciate, you know, just breaking <laughs> it down. Like, it to you. <laughs> you know, thank you for that. Um, before I address that, and I will, I just, I just wanted to, to say one more thing, just that you said beautifully, that Adam and Eve were created, and then they rested. And I think God mm. is giving us a framework for how we can live, where we work from rest, rather than working for rest. Because if we're working for rest, we're going to come into the Sabbath exhausted and say, all right, God, what can you do for me? But if we're working from rest, we're going to leave the Sabbath and say, I feel like God loved me so much that he gave this sanctuary of time that I'm excited and filled and going into the week. And I know that sounds fancy and it sounds nice, but like it's hard to actually experience that. But I think that's what the ideal that God is trying to, to mm -hmm. lead us towards. Absolutely. So to, to talk to your, to your point about how do we talk about Sabbath to um, people that don't really see the value in Sabbath, uh, maybe perhaps people outside of our faith tradition or people that don't even believe in God. Um, you know, I, I think it's actually easier than we may think because there are so many thought leaders coming out with books for a while now. Uh, mm -hmm. topics like essentialism, minimalism, you know, breaking away from the rat race of life, making sure right. there's time to meditate without phones, making sure to remove screen time, get more sleep, have more self-reflection time. You know, those are all cool things to call it, but that's Sabbath. Like yeah. when you really boil yeah. it down, that was what God was intending Sabbath to be, is a time where we can recharge, yes, but also be better in living in the moment. So, mm. you know, I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot of connection points that we can easily dialogue about. Yeah. I, uh, in seminary, I had to create a, a sermon series on Sabbath and yeah. I used the, the musical Hamilton because there's, there's a song in there where Hamilton's wife, um, Eliza, is singing a song to him. Hey man, just come back home. That would be enough. It would be enough. You don't have to do all this thing. And Alexander is so obsessed with trying mm -hmm. to do all these things, get all his, his accomplishments done because he came from nothing, so he has to prove himself. And Eliza's yeah. like, hey, I just want to be with you. And I feel like that's really a call of what God is asking us to do. Yeah, we could do all these accomplishments. You know, Yeah, we could do all these things. God has given us potential and will help us achieve that. But most importantly, he just wants us. And I, mm -hmm. I think Sabbath is an intentional punch in the face of accomplishments <laughs> and capitalism. <laughs> One of the most restful, restful things, getting in and wrestling with you and being like, nope, capitalism, no, hey, this, no, that. bro, that's so true, though, because you know it, man. If you push yourself hard enough, Sabbath is going to find you, whether you're that's ready right. or not. You know? That's right. So whether it finds you, you in a hospital bed or... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, no, I, I love your response. And I think our world is hungering for rest. And um, our, 
the concept of eschatology with the Seventh Adventist faith tradition has often used Sabbath as a, like, if you don't keep it, you better watch out. You better, you know, the boogeyman's coming for you. God's coming for you. But what, what if we took it and spun it, like, as you mentioned, and said, look at this incredible rest. The, the entire world says uh, the uh, production is, is high. You've got to work hard to, to, um, to succeed. Um, the busy people are the successful people now. It's no longer mm. the people that have leisure. Um, John Mark Comer references that in the book that you mentioned this morning, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He says 100 years ago, the people that were seen as, as affluent were the people that took time off, that they had the money to be able to go on vacation and they had the time to be able to rest. But now in our world, the people that are seen as successful, there you go, shout out for everybody watching. Um, uh, the, the, those who are successful. Sorry, now, I totally interrupted your thought. You did. Those who are great. successful now are the ones uh, who are busy. And there seems yeah. to be a status symbol with the busyness. But what would it look like if, if we invited the world around us to join into this rest? Not even the world around us, our, our neighbors next door, the people that we mm. bump into every single day. What would it look like for us to say, hey, you know, I've been loving this thing called Sabbath. And, you know, that's kind of seems like a weird word or whatnot, but it boils down to this idea of rest and it's transformed my life in this way. Why don't you try it? Um, mm. And it's not about the do's and the don'ts. It's about what are we able or how are we setting aside time to experience a relationship with God? Mm. Yeah, I love that because, you know, we, we talk about ourselves sometimes as Adventists being a peculiar people, but mm. peculiar doesn't have to mean those weirdos that do things weirdly. It can be <laughs> you stand out because you're awesome. And I think we yeah. can do that with Sabbath. And, yeah. you know, I love what you said at the very beginning about the food bank, providing rest for people that are coming to, to get these necessary supplies. And I think that is honestly one of the best ways that we can bear God's image, that we mm -hmm. can be a peculiar group of people, is we intentionally fight busyness mm -hmm. and replace it with rest and intentionality and forcefully, like that's why the book's called Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, because mm -hmm. if we don't eliminate hurry intentionally, it will override everything else. I know yeah. I know just from my own schedule, I've had to schedule date night with Steph or else <laughs> things override it. And it seems kind of dumb at first. Like, why am I scheduling something I yeah. really want to do? But if I don't schedule date night, if I don't schedule margin time for myself, yeah. then I get overrun with all of these things. And honestly, 99% of these things that I'm filling my schedule with are good things. None of them are, you know, like, oh, you know, I can easily cut that. It hurts to cut any of these things. But I acknowledge that there is no correlation between hurrying and productivity. And that is a mm. hard, hard mm. pill to swallow. That is, that is. So we've got a couple of questions come in and even someone that submitted one this afternoon. And I wanna kick this over to you, Johnny. We'll talk sure. about it a little bit more. Someone asked, what happens for a healthcare worker when um, they work on the Sabbath? Um, specifically, I believe this person's uh, referencing the question are referencing the specific day. There's a healthcare worker that has to go to the hospital and work on the seventh day Sabbath. Okay, um, I know you probably don't have the person there in front of you, so I can't ask a clarifying question. But asking yeah, is this is this? Well, I guess you and I can you can you can, we can decide this together. I mean, yeah. uh, get clarification later, perhaps. But does this? Do you think this is implying? Um, is it bad to work on Sabbath, or do you think this is asking? Um, 
what like I guess I'm trying to understand what what does it mean to say what happens to me when I work on Sabbath in this way what, how, think, how do you interpret that I, I interpreting the question of the Bible says don't work it's a day to rest um, sure. but the 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 flip side of that is as a healthcare worker you're providing rest for other people and taking care of their sure. needs and Jesus healed on the Sabbath sure. um, and so how do we how does how does a healthcare worker balance that okay well you know there, there is a world of ideals and there is a world of actualization. Mm -hmm. And I think ideally as a pastor, I wouldn't work on Sabbath. I'll, yeah. I'll just, I'll just say that because I, I would like to not work on Sabbath either because that would be my preference and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. However, there are people like you, like you just said in, in, in the clarification that absolutely need your service, especially as a medical worker, mm -hmm. that if you don't work, I think you would actually I don't want to, I don't want to go so far to say it would be treating the Sabbath not as well as if you do work. I, I don't know if I want to say it because then maybe that would imply guilt for not working on Sabbath. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to go that route, but I do want to say that I think that is completely Jesus approved to, to heal on Sabbath. And I would actually go so far to say that your work might actually be multiplied, especially on Sabbath. And the reason mm -hmm. I'm basing that on is that Jesus said he blessed the Sabbath day. And I'm basing that on what Jesus himself did on Sabbath. So yeah. I, I think I think if what I would try to do, I'm not you, I don't know your circumstance, whoever's asking this question, but uh, what I try to do personally for me, it doesn't go one-to-one, -one, of course, as a pastor and a medical worker, but I try to go in with a, I am doing this for God and any positive effect I have is simply a gift. Yeah. And if, if, if you don't feel it, that's okay. Just, just give it to God. And I, I know that he will, he will impress you in your conscience if he doesn't want you to work there. But if you don't feel that mm -hmm. there's nothing from myself or pastor Michael that are saying, don't do that. <laughs> I, I, my, I have a lot of family that works on Sabbath in the medical profession and mm -hmm. I think it's beautiful. And I yeah. think it's something that Jesus will high five you about in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And I, a similar experience. Uh, my wife, Melissa works at a, at a hospital and she, I think does her best on her scheduling when she gets to decide to, to try to stay away from that. Cause we enjoy spending Sabbath together uh, with our sure. church community and all that. Um, but there are those weekends that come up, come up where she's required to do that. Um, and for us in the, in the past as well, we've chosen uh, in, in particular times to actually take the, the money that she would have been paid for Sabbath and give that to the church. So almost she's donating her time on Sabbath. Um, in that kind of way. And then you can get kind of like, well, it's just kind of transactional or whatnot. But for us, it was a way that we together and her specifically in her work could Sabbath in that, okay, I'm not in some ways required or whatnot. I'm not here for the paycheck because I'm going to be passing that on anyway. And I'm able to fully go in with the mindset of Jesus um, and to, to heal people on the Sabbath. And I think of, uh, I think it's Romans, chapter 14 um yeah when uh, paul talks about the principles of conscience um he says one person regards one day above another another this is verse five uh another regards every day alike each person must be fully convinced in his own mind he who observes the day observes it for the lord and he who eats does so for the lord uh for he gives thanks and he who eats not for the lord uh, he does not eat and gives thanks to the Lord. And he kind of does this back and forth. And he says, there are some things that are up to your conscience between you and God. And what you have decided, 
doesn't necessarily have to be the universal truth for everybody else. That you and God can have an agreement with one another. He's impressed upon your heart. Oh, I shouldn't be working on Sabbath. Okay, God's put that on your heart and that your medical worker, great, respect that. Um, but there's others that feel, um, as we've shared, that it's important to, and there might even be a bigger blessing for healthcare workers to be working on the Sabbath. And I think that that's one of those areas that as long as your conscience is, is right with God and God's impressed you and um, he says, this is okay, or this is the direction that you need to go, you've got to leave that up to him. Yeah, well said. All right. I appreciate that. You didn't have to compliment me like that. But um, uh, another question that's come in, this one was actually from uh, earlier this morning while we were talking. Um, will the Sabbath be kept in heaven? Yes. So we're, we're kind of, okay, cool. Um, next question. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that question. I love it. And yeah. I, I think we actually alluded to, to the answer a little bit earlier by talking about God himself keeps the Sabbath. And, you know, you, you could look at that and say, okay, he's just doing that as an example for us. And mm-hmm. I think God is that awesome that he would do it just for that reason. But I see, I see the way that God presented the Ten Commandments and the way it was universal. Um, you know, let, let's actually open that up. Let's go to Exodus 20. Yeah. Let me pull that up right here. Okay. Okay. So maybe it was the Deuteronomy five version. There, there is a presentation of the 10 commandments where God makes it clear that it is universal. And maybe, maybe I have these verses in another, in another um, document. Maybe I can find them and uh, pass them on to you later. Yeah. But essentially I uh, make the case from that, the verses that if God was just presenting this for the Jews, then yeah, Sabbath would be just for this earth. Sabbath would be just for, not even for us as Christians today, it would be just for the Jews. But Mm -hmm. I think there's a very strong case to be made that this was worldwide. Mm -hmm. And the reason that's important is because the language used in scripture, when when it's worldwide, it seems to have some, as you referenced, eschatological value. And it Mm -hmm. seems to point towards something that's further than just this earth, just the immediate sin problem that God is conquering on our behalf right here. And, you know, the whole 10 commandments, I think are a manuscript. Yeah. We say it's of God's character, but I think it's Mm -hmm. also a manuscript of what life will be like in the future. Because the Hebrew word that we hear and translate frequently as thou shalt not or you shall not can equally be translated as you will not. It's Mm -hmm. a prophetic promise in that sense. I have to give a shout out to Dr. Joanne Davidson for that one. That's from from her class. But it's it's a future reality that is being predicted via the Ten Commandments. And I, I, I find it hard to believe that God would predict a future reality just in the year 2020 or, you know, 20. 2050, whenever, whatever, you know, year you want to choose. And then suddenly it would be no longer good whenever Jesus comes back. I I see it as being predictive for what heaven will be. And if Jesus took the time, God took the time to rest on Sabbath, then I think there is some superior value just to what we're facing here in our, uh, if you want to call our quote, current life. Right. 
Well, and throughout the whole Old Testament and the New Testament, there's the, the sanctuary motif. Um, we talked a lot about that in the context, a couple conversations ago about the, the context of beauty. So those of you that are listening, watching, go check out the conversation I had with Chaplain April about beauty and about the sanctuary and what that means. Uh, but God instructed the children of Israel to build a tabernacle, a sanctuary, which literally means a dwelling place for God in the middle of the wilderness. And it's ornate and it's beautiful. And it's got all of these uh, different ways of, of, of experiencing God from smell to touch to taste to all this. And it's a beautiful liturgy of an experience of relationship with God. And through the book of Hebrews and through the book of Revelation, we come to the understanding that the sanctuary that God instructed the children of Israel to build was the replica of a heavenly sanctuary. And then you come, and that's, the, the Sabbath is definitely a part of the children of Israel's culture and what God has instructed them to keep. Uh, it's a marker of God's people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And you come to Revelation chapter 21, and it's in verse uh, 22. I saw no temple in the city. We're talking about the New Jerusalem. For the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need for the sun or the moon to shine, for the glory of God is illuminated, and it is a lamp, um, a lamp and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring glory uh, into it. In the daytime, there will be no night. Uh, in the daytime, for there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so we get back to the the recreation of the new world, the last two chapters of Revelation, and it starts to use that sanctuary language again. And now no longer is it the single building that God is confined to, but God is present on the earth. He is the temple. The, the temple, the physical temple is pointing to the, the, the present presence of God on this earth. And it seems to me, God seems to be a very methodical God, a very well thought out God, a God that doesn't change his mind quickly, a God that's not rash. Um, he's a God of community and a God of, of constant and a God of planning and a God of, I mean, you look at how uh, the book of Daniel prophesies about these specific kingdoms that are coming at this time. And he's, he's thinking far ahead and all this kind of stuff. And to me to say, oh, the Sabbath isn't going to be kept in, kept in heaven. Uh, really? Because <laughs> it seems to be that the Sabbath is part of the identity of God's people. It seems to be a part of God's identity. And that's something that who he is. And you pair Genesis chapter one and two and Revelation 21 and 22, which by the way, are the only two chapters in the entire, or only four chapters in the entire Bible that do not contain any sin. And in both of those, or the, all four of those chapters, there's allusion and mention of the Sabbath. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And just, thinking about what you're saying, you know, Sabbath, when God created it was weird. It was weird in its original context mm -hmm. because, you know, when, when the other gods of, of that age, you know, lowercase G, mm -hmm. <laughs> when they were to be worshiped or were to have something brought to them or were to be made holy, you know, however you want to phrase it, it was a place that was sanctified. It was very yeah. intentionally set aside and it was very reverent and all these things. And here God comes and he goes against the grain. Actually, I think he reframes the grain correctly 
that there is a time, there is a way of life to worship God. It's yeah. not just going to a place. And you know, this is especially relevant now amidst COVID-19. The fact that we're doing this on Zoom, the fact that, you know, a lot of the church services are streamed live, it's because church, relationship with God, Sabbath is more than a place. Yeah. And praise God for that, man. We should yeah. be jumping up and down <laughs> and be excited that, that God created a space, a sanctuary right. of time. Yeah. And, you know, playing into what you said too, God isn't arbitrary. I don't think he would randomly do this uh, revolutionary thing for the seventh day and then drop it. I, yeah. I think he set yeah. a framework intentionally in his overarching theme of Absolutely. creation for us to enjoy even once he returns and completely eradicates the sin problem. Yeah, absolutely. And my dad's helping us out here a little bit. He put in the chat, Isaiah 66, 23. Um, shout out to you, dad. Thanks for mentioning that. And I think it, it exactly describes what we're alluding to right now. Isaiah chapter 66. I'm going to start in verse 22. Um, and uh, it says, For just as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make endure before me, declares the Lord, so your offspring and your name will endure. Uh, and then he says, and it will be from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all mankind will come to bow down before me, says the Lord. Then they'll go forth and look on the corpses of the men who have dressed against me for their uh, worm will not die, their fire will not be quenched, and there will be an abhorrence to all mankind. So kind of getting into a little bit of eschatology and how God deals with sin there in the last verse. But what we want to focus on here is that it shall be from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all mankind will come to bow down before me. And I don't think it gets any clearer than that. There seems to be the marker of the month to month, and then there's the marker of the week to week. And the, the whole time scheme that God has provided and that God has created centers around monthly celebrations and weekly celebrations. And we see that in the culture and the time of the children of Israel, uh, who are the main characters of the Old Testament. And we see that flowing throughout the rest of the Bible. And I believe for all of eternity, the Sabbath isn't going anywhere. Sabbath is something that I think God even kept before there were any other created things in the universe. When God was just God, that God still kept the Sabbath. Mm. Mm. So how then, Michael, can we kind of, I don't want to use like revolutionary language, but like how can we reclaim the Sabbath for its original purpose? Because it really seems to me like, and, and this, this goes into conjecture. I just want to be very clear. This is my <laughs> personal opinion. I don't represent the views of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Um, I, I feel like, you know, with the health message, we're very yeah. proud of it. Yeah. But we we presented it very well. Um, you know, Adventists have done a lot of good things within the, in the, within the medical field um, and via schools as well, teaching the health message. However, I feel like we got kind of, oh, I, I might get in trouble for saying this word, but I can't think of a better word. We get a little culty in our in our health <laughs> message. Yeah. And we made it weird. We made it peculiar in the bad way. So as a result, I think God shared the beauty of the health message, what he was trying to share with the rest of the world. And now we see, you know, I'm, I'm not a proponent of veganism equals salvation, but you see yeah. the health message and these healthier lifestyles being put forward by people that have nothing to do with Adventism, people that yeah. have nothing to do with Christianity. And yeah. 
I, I think it's a beautiful thing that, that that truth is getting out there and people are seeing the benefits of that. But it's a shame that we missed the window to use that as a tool to paint God in the beautiful light that he truly exists in. And I think the same thing is starting to happen with Sabbath. I'm really thinking the same thing is happening where I see these, like John Mark Comer, the, the guy we've been referencing over and over is, yeah. is a non-Adventist living in Portland. And he is seeing the beauty of Sabbath and is not only seeing the beauty of it, but is actively talking about it. I think in my entire life, I've only heard one beautiful Sabbath focused sermon on Sabbath. And hopefully too, you know, after, after we talked a little bit, I, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but you know, you know what I'm saying that yeah. I, I think yeah. we are not doing a good job talking about the good stuff. And it seems mm-hmm. to me that Sabbath doesn't fit into a fear, fear push, but it yeah. sticks with a love relationship push. And sometimes that doesn't fit how we perceive God. So I think there may be a deeper issue here. And I yeah. think Sabbath is revealing our lack of proper focus on God. I don't know. I'm just kind of yeah. thinking out loud. What do you, what do you think here? I think in to response to your question of how do we, how do we reclaim Sabbath? I think it comes down at the end of the day is has our relationship with God transformed the way that we see the world and has our experience with Sabbath transformed me? Has it transformed you? Uh, because you, you know, you referenced our, Seventh Avenue's health message, and you've referenced some of these other things over the over the years that almost seem like a baseball bat. Uh, and I think it goes back to um, when Jesus talks about the log in my eye versus the speck in your eye. Mm. We're like, you need to do this, that. we're not actually practicing it ourselves. And so there's a lack of integrity there that we have as a church. That by and large, yeah, yeah, health message, um, but. A lot of people don't necessarily follow it that way. The church says, yeah, 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 uh, Sabbath. A lot of people don't necessarily keep it. Um, and I think the way that we reclaim it is that we reclaim it person by person and experience by experience. And the only way that we can do that corporately is to do that individually. And so in my own personal life, Isaiah 58, chapter 13, if because of the Sabbath, you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath the delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and honor it, desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure, and seeking your own word, then you'll take the light in the Lord, and I'll make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I'll feed you with the, the, the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken to it. I think if, if we, you and I, Johnny, and Stephanie, I see you're on here too, um, my dad's on Zoom as well, you just can't see him, um, and everybody else is that, that's watching here, if we you and I, everyone, if we continue to turn from our own pleasure, to turn from our sinful nature and turn towards the Lord on the Sabbath, using the Sabbath, the Sabbath transforming us, then we begin to reclaim what the true meaning of Sabbath is. Yeah, and I think there is a beautiful juxtaposition within Isaiah 58, right mm-hmm. after it says turning from our own pleasure, it says Sabbath is a delight. Mm-hmm. and it's that that dissonance seems to be completely it, it seems to completely break the idea but it actually really really paints what god is trying to do here that mm-hmm. you actually get more like i think a, it's a simple anecdotal story but for christmas whenever i give stephanie something i'm more excited about what she's going to do how she's going to react of once she sees my carefully picked out gift than I am about 
what she's going to get me because I put a lot of thought into it and I get delight out yeah. of not seeking my pleasure, but seeking hers. And yeah. the beautiful thing is that if everybody sought everyone else's pleasure, then everyone would receive that yes. pleasure yes. because that is painting the picture of God's kingdom. That is the kingdom life is mm -hmm. you care so much for everyone else that you can't help but get your needs taken care of as well by someone else who is also replicating Jesus and being selfless. And yeah. it's so, so beautiful. And yeah. I think that fits into a little bit like what we were talking about with the, the social justice as well, mm -hmm. taking care of those who can't take care of themselves. I'm not sure if you're wanting to go down this, this route or if you had some other ways to go, but I just want to, I just want to acknowledge that Sabbath yeah. is an intentional way to, you know, this language is appropriate because of how God gave the Sabbath in Exodus 20 coming out of Egypt, that Sabbath is an intentional break away from the slave mentality of work, 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 work. Yeah. But not only that, Sabbath is an intentional safeguard. So you don't become the slave driver yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's huge. That last part where you don't become the slave driver when and that goes completely countercultural um because in, in the world that we live in because it's the it's the it's the looking out for me i've got to look out for myself and everywhere i go the job that i get um the 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 work that i do um the the food that i eat i mean you look at everybody when the covid-19 pandemic hit and everybody's like oh, got to take care of myself toilet paper my yeah <laughs> And to think that that left people, other people who didn't have access to the grocery stores because they couldn't get there quick enough, didn't have the money to buy it or whatever, that left other people without it. And if everybody had just kind of slowed their roll a little bit, realized this thing's a little bit more longer lasting. Slowed their roll. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Good one, Michael. Totally <laughs> pun unintentional there. <laughs> um, but if we had looked out for one another a little bit more, then we wouldn't have such a, such a crisis. But in the world that we live in, I, I, I don't see that happening globally mm. because we as humanity, it, you know, it says, the Bible says, Jesus, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. And I think about, I, and this thought struck me, we've always equated that to how, um, you know, the, how the world was, you know, evil and all this stuff and God's going to came and wiped out the world and whatnot. But there's a second event that occurs within the life of Noah that we often kind of glance over, and that's the building of the Tower of Babel. And you think about how man and humanity in uh, Genesis chapter, is it 11? Yeah, I think it's Genesis chapter 11, that uh, they decided, oh, flood, they, we're going to protect ourselves from another flood coming. We need to build this community that we can survive anything that comes uh, in the future. And we then... Uh, are going to build up this tower. And then God says, no, that's, that's, that's not how this works. And he divides their languages and they're not able to do it. They uh, start to um, spread themselves out all across the world. And we come down to the end of times, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. We see humanity come together trying to find a cure. And uh, COVID-19 is a symptom of sin. All these, uh, the corruption is a symptom of sin. Uh, the, the world leaders and the, the way that they're handling things. It's a symptom of sin. And ultimately, we're looking for a solution to COVID-19 or we're looking for a solution to corruption or we're looking for a solution to that. All of that is, a, it, we're looking for a solution to sin and we as humanity cannot find the solution to sin. 
but we have to serve the person who has the solution to sin, the person that's come and, and died for us and provided that solution already. And Sabbath is a commemoration of me realizing I don't have all the answers, me realizing I don't have it all together myself to make this happen. I've got to serve someone else. And as I follow God and as I serve someone else and as I do that, then I'm going to be okay because my life is going to be transformed. The people around me are going to be transformed. And in the end, even though it feels like I'm not going to be taken care of and I don't have toilet paper on the shelves because I'm going to go run out and get it and, you know, add infinitum on whatever example you use. At the end of the day, God's got your back. Are you serving him uh, to get a reward? Well, you know, you got you to gotta wrestle with that a little bit more. But Sabbath in and of itself is a commemoration of saying, me saying myself, I don't have the solution. I don't have the answer, but God does. And I'm going to, I'm going to rest and respond to that. Mm. I love that. And even within the ultimate answer of the underlying problem of sin, you know, just like any good doctor, you cure the symptoms alongside the core problem. So COVID-19 is a symptom of sin. I would concur with that statement. And I would also add that it is our duty as banner bearers of God's image and of his name that we should go out of our way to take care of people in this crisis. And I'm not saying you're not saying that. I'm just adding to what you're saying, that, mm-hmm. that it is important for us to provide rest in the, in the waiting, which is an ironic yes. statement, rest in the yeah. waiting, um, yeah. for Jesus to come back and ultimately eradicate everything. Yeah. And I, I, think, I think that's part of what Sabbath is showing. You know, we have these weekly cycles, right? We've had many, many weeks, and it feels like we've had many, many years of COVID-19 already. But even <laughs> within even within the nonsense, if, yeah. if COVID-19 was just for an example of what the Earth's history is, even within these, these last weeks of shutdown, we have yeah. had moments of rest in yeah. the middle, even knowing that the ultimate rest from this nonsense has not happened yet. And yeah. I think the weekly rest is evidence that we will and constant reminder that we will come to that place where Jesus promises, because if we didn't have the weekly rest, you know, I I forget things the day after. I don't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. So I'm grateful that God instituted (laughs) a weekly rest so that he can remind me because I am very, very stubborn. And, you know, Sabbath forces me to change the way I interact with people, the way I interact with myself and the way I interact with him. And I'm grateful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for your insights and for this conversation. I know I've been super blessed to, to talk about Sabbath and I feel like we should do it more often. Yes. Um, and I want to encourage uh, everybody that's listening and, and watching. Thank you for, for joining in in this dialogue. Um, and we want to hear your thoughts. If you uh, want to reach out in the comment section um, or uh, send us an email or something like that, we'd love to hear your further thoughts on this. Um, but ultimately, again, I want to leave you with an invitation to try Sabbath, um, to try forms of rest in your life. Ultimately, it's between you and God or what you need to rest from, what you need to rest with, who you need to rest with, how, you, how all that works out. But ultimately, as you are seeking a relationship with God, an experimental and an experiential relationship with God, Sabbath is one of the, the first areas that I would recommend to start seeking God. And to experience the goodness and the graciousness of a God who said the very first thing when he created humanity, come, let's rest. I've created you for rest. And I've created this day for you, for you to truly know what it means to have a relationship with me. So, Johnny, as we finish up, would you mind uh, saying a closing word of prayer? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I love the idea of experimental Sabbath. I love it. Okay, yes. let's pray. <laughs> All right. Precious God, thank you so much for, for Sabbath. The fact that we're able to just pause, the fact that we're able to just take a, our soul is able to take a deep breath. And I, I'm just grateful, God, that you care not only for our now, but you care for our future. And I'm just Oh God, I'm just amazed. I'm just so thankful for you. And I know that Sabbath is like a healing salve. It's like aloe vera on a sunburn for, for a long week. And God, I just mm. pray that we, all of us here today and whoever is watching later, that we are able to, like Michael said, experiment with Sabbath, be able mm. to unfamiliarize ourselves with you so that it's like we're seeing you for the first time. Mm -hmm. And it's like we're seeing your smile for the first time. Because if your smile was a time frame, that would be Sabbath. <laughs> it just feels like a big old smile from the creator. So God, I'm just, I'm just grateful. And not only that, I ask that our rest gives us action. Mm. And that we see these yoke, these yokes around us, these chains on people around us that need intervention that cannot speak for themselves, whether it looks like it's agenda pushing or they literally cannot. I ask that those of us that are not in those yokes, that are not in those bonds, that we are able to speak justice, that we are able to keep the Sabbath like you did, caring mm. for people, exalting them, lifting them higher than their station that society has given them. And God, I'm just excited to see what you will do through your people, simply because we come asking in the powerful, perfect name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for listening today. You know, I hope that you were blessed by this conversation. Uh, this was probably one of my favorite or my most favorite from this series because the Sabbath is just such an incredible transforming principle that can be applied to your life. Maybe you're in the midst of wondering what it means to Sabbath and how you can do that. And I invite you to ask God to journey with him, to seek his face and to understand what he's calling you to do and how you can bring all of Sabbath into all of your life. As always, I invite you to share this podcast just with one person. Someone in your life needs to hear it and I invite you to, to share that to them. So go ahead and just send it over to them right now. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time right here on Elevate Retake. Well, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that episode of Elevate Retake. If you'd like more uh, messages like that or to subscribe to that podcast, you can find it on Instagram at Elevate Retake. And you can also find it wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Elevate Retake and you'll be able to connect that way. Hey, in a couple of weeks, Johnny and I are going to be back with our Where's God conversations. Can't wait to be having those with you. Until then, I hope and pray that you're blessed and that you find rest in the one who can provide rest for you. We'll catch you next time.